I love the title of this um, prayer devotional, Thirsty. Thirsty. And um, it's so true about who it is that we are, isn't it? I mean, how many of you can go more than a day without needing to take in some kind of fluid? You know, whether it's water, I drink a lot of that, but I also drink a lot of coffee. But I know that it's the thing that we can do the least without. We can survive not too terribly long without water. It's what we need the most. And I thought about that in terms of spiritually speaking, right? It's true as well. In our relationship with God and knowing God, being thirsty is a profound and a wonderful thing, and God hopes that we always are, that we're always drinking in of Him, His Word, His presence, seeking to be thirsty always and have our thirst quenched because we're going to Him, and we're taking it in and we're drinking deep of all it is that He offers, and not just you know, in this kind of a way, you know, little tiny sips every now and then, but that we just guzzle it and drink it down. I'm not going to do that. But you know what that looks like when you're really thirsty? You just, and I drink the whole glass, just have my thirst quenched. That's how God hopes and desires that we pray and that we take in the things of God. You know, it's a devotional book, and not by coincidence. You know, I, I share this a lot, and I, I'm never surprised by it, um, and I hope that you aren't. Um, we have a series. Kathy started it last week called Choices. It's the second week of it. And uh, spoke about making disciples last week. The entire series is going to be on choices that we make and truths about them. And this devotional book covers every single one of them. In fact... Um, Today, we're looking at praying. We have a choice to pray or not to pray. And we have a choice to pray a certain way or not pray a certain way. And this devotional covers it on days 9, 10, 17, and 19, four times. So God just speaks in a myriad of ways. And we truly have a choice, don't we, to pray or not to pray? And we have a choice about how we pray. So we're going to spend some time this morning thinking about prayer and about what it means to pray and what it means to pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. I'm going to go to three different places in Scripture, and I invite you to each time we go to open up your Bibles, follow along. There's a lot of tremendous truth about prayer in Scripture, and we're just going to basically scratch the surface you can always go deeper and spend more time, of course, whether it's actually praying or reading God's Word about prayer. And one of the first things has to do, really, with what this title is about, thirsty, about being thirsty in prayer, and about being thirsty for prayer and spending time talking and being with God. I just ask you to look at the words on the screen. This is Acts um, 2.42. And the Acts 2 church was a thirsty church. And, and they were thirsty and hungry about all things God. 
And I could read all of the passages. It just, just oozes that, the passion and the excitement and enthusiasm they had for learning and growing and being followers of Jesus. I'm just going to read this one verse. This is Acts 2.42. And, and it's deep and it shares a lot about how it is that God wants us to understand prayer and how it is that he wants us to pray. So listen to these words, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's a few things that, indeed, they said that they gave themselves to. I want you to think about that word devoted for just a few minutes. What does that mean? What does it mean to be devoted to someone or something? Well, if you were to look at the, the definition in any kind of dictionary, it would tell you that it's about displaying a strong affection or attachment to, again, something or someone. The Greek adds a, a little bit more to it when it shares it and, and before it's translated. It speaks about being steadfast. We know that's also true about devotion, but then an eagerness as well. And that certainly was true of the Acts 2 church. They were devoted to prayer. So what does that look like and what does that mean? How can you picture that? How can you envision what that meant for them? And of course then, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for you to be thirsty, to be devoted to prayer? What does that look like? If someone would say, are you devoted to prayer or not? What would you think about? What would be the things that you would process in terms of the things that you were doing in your prayer life and the things that you weren't? It it could be all kinds of different things. But certainly it has to do with actually praying, right? Taking the time and, and, and how it is that we pray. You know, we could be leaving church today and we could be going down the road and all of a sudden we'd be praying like crazy, right? And then maybe not. When we get together and we have our, our devotions and our time with God, um, you know, what does that look like? Is it devoted if you spend 30 seconds a day in prayer? Five minutes? Ten? What does it mean? And those are things that God wants us to explore and to think about. What does it mean to be devoted? You know, when I was a kid, I was devoted to knowing everything about baseball. I loved baseball. And uh, I could, I had some cars, but I could tell you who was playing on what team. I could tell you their position. I could tell you what their batting average was. I could tell you just about anything about any player in Major League Baseball. Today, I probably can't name three players for the Detroit Tigers. I'm just, I'm just not devoted to it anymore. But I used to be, and I knew what that looked like. And so you think about that in terms of things in your life and think about that in terms of things of God, like prayer. You know, it speaks about being devoted to here for other things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, but prayer. And that's the focus today. What does it mean to be thirsty for prayer and to be thirsty for God and spending time with Him? something to process, something to think about. And your prayer life will will never be all that it can be if you're not thirsty, if you're not devoted to prayer. 
There's, there's so much, and we know that that's true, and we're devoted, and I think of the, the steadfastness of it, so the continuance of it. Um, time and time again, always, constantly, we're praying. What happens when that takes place in your heart and in your life? All kinds of things. You get to know God a little bit better, don't you? Think about the people that you talk to. If you only talk to them every now and then or just in snippets, there's all of that small talk type of stuff. You talk about the weather and other things. But when you spend a lot of time in a relationship with someone and you're talking with them, you go deeper. You know more about them. And you know what to talk about. And your conversations are more intimate and personal and they're focused. That's what it means to be in part devoted. You have that kind of relationship. You know that that's what the conversation's going to be like. And that they're not just going to be short ones, and there's a place for that. But devotion and being thirsty, you can start to really get this bigger picture and understanding of what that means and what that looks like. And there's another thing that's true about being thirsty and devoted that draws you into the presence of God, and that is understanding who it is that God is. Understanding who it is that God is. I, I, I have a couple of quotes by Oswald Chambers that I want to share with you this morning. And three of them. The first one is this. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. You know, one of the things that I've, I've shared or said I know in the past, and that is uh, in terms of prayer, it's not the only thing you can do, it's the best thing you can do. And we know it's the best thing we can do. Why, why do we know that? Because we know who God is. And if we're thinking about not being fit for prayer, but the greater prayer, that's saying something about what we understand in terms of the power of prayer and the power of God. What it's all about, going before the great Lord our God, the one who created the heavens and the universe, and asking for him to unleash his power, for him to intercede in certain things in life, maybe problems, issues, again, maybe needs for healing, maybe it is the meeting of needs, whatever it is. It is the greater work. And that goes along with that Second one, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. How often has it been that when you've encountered or dealt with something, you've done all different kinds of things, you've hauled out the I can do this or this is what I need to do thing, and you start going down that path, and you just start doing, 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 and all of a sudden you think, man, maybe I should pray about this. And God wants you to just flip that around. He wants you to lean into his power to understand and know who it is that he is and what it is that he can do. And that that's how you think. That's your nature. That you pray, that you pray. And then the last one, we have to pray with our eyes on God, not on our difficulties. I love that quote by Oswald Chambers. Something that we always need to be thinking about. What's our focus Prayer helps us focus on God. And even when we're praying, if our minds are still going to what the difficulties and the problems are, what does that say about what it is that we're believing in terms of him and his power? See, there's a, there's a disconnect. 
And if all of our thoughts and even our prayers are focused on the the troubles and so forth and so on, I'm not saying in terms of invoking God's power in terms of interceding for those. But if we let the the doubts and the worries and the fears dominate our prayers, what, what does that mean? See, God wants you to come with fullness, and he wants you to experience the fullness of the power of who it is that he is. We're going to have more on that in just a minute when we get into looking at what Jesus teaches about prayer in Luke 11, but that's a very important part of prayer. Knowing who it is that you talk to, that will draw you to pray, but will also help you as you pray to pray in a way that God wants you to pray. He doesn't want you to talk to him and, and pray to him like you're praying or, or talking, praying, you're talking to, you know, your neighbor or something when you're asking for help. He wants you to know who it is that he is. Again, Almighty God, Heavenly Father. What does that mean? The one who, who can do anything, a God without equal, a God of the impossible. And so when we think about prayer, our, And think about devotion then. If we knew that that was true and that's how we lived our lives and we prayed like that, man, we'd be praying like crazy, right? And we'd be praying with faith and expectancy. We'd be calling on the power of God. And I'm not saying that we don't. don't, It's not a, you know, hey, you're you're not there. That's what it needs to be like all the time. And I'll admit to that. Diminishing the power of God in prayer. He wants us to get it, and he wants us to pray that way and to pray with power and to call on his power. And that's the the second truth that I would share with you out of James 5.16. Many of you are familiar with this verse, and and, and hopefully you, you, you own it. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I want you to look at that verse. It's, it's full. There's so much in God's word that just is full. This is it's one sentence, and it's full, full of truth. And we tend to focus on the last part of the verse, powerful and effective. But it doesn't happen without the first part of the verse. Do you see it? The prayers of who are powerful and effective? A righteous person. Why would that be true? Well, think about it for a moment. If if your heart is right with God, and that's what that means, righteous don't walk along the lines of saying, well, it's somebody who's, you know, walking on clouds and is holy and never does anything wrong. It's just about being right with God, striving to be right with God. That's who it is that you're being. Why would that make your prayers powerful and effective? And that's what I mentioned just a few moments ago. When you're having a conversation with somebody that you barely know, well, that dictates what you talk to them about. But then if you're talking with somebody that you really know, like that person sitting next to you perhaps, you go deep. And you know what's in their heart, right? You've lived life with them. You know their struggles. You know their hurts. You know the things that they delight in. And so the conversations are able to be that way, and the things that you say can be encouraging, uplifting. They can be of help. So it is with God. 
when we pray to the Lord. We know his heart. We know who he is. We know what he can do. And so the understanding of of praying with, with faith and with expectancy and calling on the power of God and just believing that, having faith as we pray, all comes out when we're right and we're walking with God. And it's also about praying for the right things. And I want you to think about that for a moment. When you know that you're praying to God, you know who God is, and you understand to know his purposes and his will for you in the living of life, it changes how you pray. You know, when I was a kid, I prayed for all different kinds of things. I know I shared a story about when I, when I prayed like crazy for a bike. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't pray for bikes anymore. Not that that's not bad. If you're praying for a bike, go at it. But thinking about God and the time that we spend and the things that he wants us to think about in terms of who it is that we're being, what's important to God, what it is that God calls us to do and what it is that he wants us to do and who it is that we should be in this thing called life. If you're having a conversation with someone that's all about you, think about it for a minute. Probably don't have too many really long in-depth conversations when you just are self-centered and focused on yourself. Those are one-way conversations, and sometimes that's how we talk to God. But, But when we're understanding who it is that God is, and we're devoted and thirsty, and we're really praying through what it means to to be a person that is right with God and who it is that he desires us to be, we think about his purposes. We think about his plans. We think about kingdom things. And somehow self melts away a lot of things. We're just focused on who it is that God is in all of his goodness, in all of his grace, in all of his power. And again, the things that he just desires us to be and and be transformed by all the things that he wants in our hearts and in our lives and the living of life on earth because they're about eternal things. That's where the uh, power and the effectiveness comes into play. That's why they're powerful and effective because we're praying for the right things. We're praying for, for example, think of purpose, winning people for Christ and equipping them to serve. We're thinking about neighbors, coworkers, people at school, family members. Do they know Jesus, don't they? What can help them grow? What help them be right with God? How can we be a part of that? God's purposes and plans for us as we walk from day to day. See, that, that's what it is that it's speaking about, and that's where the power is. Because then, then it, those things get unleashed, God goes to work. And change and growth happens. Not always how we want, not always how we think it ought to be. And they last forever. I think about that a lot. Does anybody here want their time on earth and the things that they lived their life for to be done, completed, that's it when they die? Nobody You know, all I would have to do is say um, a couple of words like kids and grandkids or friends. 
No, you, you, you want the, the things that you brought into those relationships, you want the, the person that you were to create an impact that goes beyond your life and spans however long. And, and think about that for a minute. What lasts forever? Only the things of God. Only the things of God. And so that eternal, that there's where power is at, right? Think about that. And, and I just am, so when you think about the privilege of being able to go into prayer and then be and to understand to know who it is that God wants you to be, to know that he would, he would partner with you in the gospel and kingdom things, give you the privilege and the opportunity to be about part, a part of things that last forever. Isn't that amazing? That he's entrusting to you and giving you the privilege and opportunity to do things that last forever? That blows my mind. And that's what prayer does. It invites you into that relationship and that understanding. It is so profound, it's so powerful, and so that's why it can be said the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And Jesus knew that, and Jesus prayed like that. And that's how he taught his disciples and how he taught us to pray. If you look at Luke 11, it's a powerful, powerful passage. And it starts out in verse 1. I invite you to go there now. Just go through Luke 11. The disciples see in verse 1 Jesus praying. And then they ask him, teach us how to pray. And in that one verse, I think a lot about what prayer is. Because Jesus in that moment was modeling it. And I often wonder, because he prayed a a lot, what prompted him in that moment to ask him, teach us to pray? It could have just been the frequency. Jesus was always praying. He would go off and he would pray. And I don't envision Jesus praying, you know, when he did that, you know, for 10 seconds. I think it was deep intercessory prayer. And so was it that? Was it just the amount of time that he spent? Maybe they're ready to go. They're looking at their, uh, you know, watches, and they're saying, hey, you know, but he's still praying. And they're wondering, what is he praying about? Maybe it was the, the tone, if he was verbalizing prayer, the passion and the energy and the enthusiasm were just there because he was praying and opening up his heart, pouring himself out to his heavenly Father. Maybe it was what he was praying. Whatever the case is, they ask him to pray, and so he does. And he, there's two parts to this. It's about what to pray and then how to pray. And in verses 2 to 4, we read about what to pray for. And I think this is really helpful because it's connected to the how and the very reason we'd pray in the first place and have devotion for it. It's one of the places that the Lord's Prayer is found. It's not whole and complete as we pray it today. As we've learned, there's other parts and other Gospels that we add to that. But here's a few thoughts. What to pray when we think about prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. That's verse 2, your kingdom come. Did you catch what's there? 
hallowed be your name. It's never forgetting who it is that you're praying to. God, the Almighty One, giving Him adoration, giving Him praise, giving Him worship in prayer. Always starting that way to keep the focus and to understand I'm having a conversation with God now. It's so profound, it's so powerful. Keeps us sharp relative to who it is that we are and who it is that He is. And that we need His presence. Your kingdom come. Again, focus on purpose. Recognizing that that's who it is that we are, partners in the gospel. And prayer is an opportunity to engage and to partner with Him and see who it is that He wants us to be. And to ask Him for very specific things to do His work and His will. Kingdom purposes. Give us this day our daily bread. What does that have to do? Have more to do with him or with us? See, we're requesting, we're asking for something, and I think that's probably the the greater share of our prayers, if we're honest. But what does it say about him when we ask and how we ask? It recognizes that he's God. And that he's the one who has made those promises to meet our needs, all different kinds of them, for protection, for providence, to give us daily bread, food, substance, all the things that we stand in need of. Give us this day our daily bread when we're praying that. And and hopefully when we're praying in terms of, we'll get into the hows in a minute and see how that's connected with faith and with expectancy, that that's what we believe will happen. Sometimes we get a little bit dull to that in North American culture because we're so affluent. But I guarantee you, if you're sitting on a mountain in Guatemala somewhere and you have no food for tomorrow, you're praying that a different way. Because you understand what that means in terms of who it is that God is and who you're trusting Him to be. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Grace, forgiveness, the need for it. And when we pray that, we understand and believe then that God is what? God is a God of grace and he's a God of love. And he's a God who gives us grace. He's a God who forgives us. He's a God who sent his son for us. So, so powerful. Grace and forgiveness and love. He wants us to understand that, Jesus does, when we're talking to our Heavenly Father, that this is not somebody who wishes bad for us. This is not somebody who will turn their back on us. This is not a God who will only love us or only forgive us when we do what it is that He thinks we ought to do. Isn't that powerful? God's grace and forgiveness isn't like the world's. Praise God. Praise you. Thank you, Father. Lead us not into temptation. We add to it and deliver us from evil. That again recognizes his power. It also recognizes the need for repentance and being right with God. And that he's the one who can protect us and keep us out of those situations. Have you ever prayed that way? I know I've been a number of times um, going into a situation and and continually in daily prayers just ask for 
for God to not have me be tempted, to build that. So if I'm sitting here, there's, there it is. There's the illustration with the dartboard, right? Have all around you, you're protected. Satan can't get in, he can't throw those darts at you and hit you and hurt you and harm you. Who can do that? Only God. Does he want to protect you? Does he want to keep you away from sinning and falling and going to places that you're going to regret? No. Yes, he can. And that's how we ought to pray. Those are things we ought to be thinking about. Those are a lot of the what's, and they're connected to the how's. How do we pray? Read in verse 5, Then he said to them, and he shares a story about a friend who goes to another friend at midnight. He has somebody come. He doesn't have bread for him. Knocks on the door. Guy doesn't answer. Knocks again. We don't know how many times he knocks, but then finally the person decides says, go away. It's late. I'm sleeping. So are my kids. Are you nuts? I can't envision God saying that, by the way, but friend keeps knocking. And then Jesus says, this is, this is how you're supposed to pray. What does that mean? Perseverance, boldness, faith, expectancy. The guy knew that if he kept knocking, the friend was going to, even if just to get rid of him, he was going to come and give him bread. So God says, you know, don't give up. Keep praying. What is it? And there's a connection to faith there, isn't it? Have you ever prayed for something and then when it didn't happen in your time frame, right? So maybe you said it. Maybe you said a day. Maybe you said two days. Maybe a week. Maybe a month. And then you stop praying about it. You got, God wants us to understand, and that's an understanding of who God is, too, that he, he operates in ways that are different than we do in terms of time and space and in terms of, of, of need. So he, he always answers. He always will. And he wants us to keep praying and praying with faith and belief that he will be who it is that he says he'll be, and he'll do what it is that he says he'll do. He'll fulfill every single promise, and that's part of the how. That's what Jesus is teaching. And I already shared those verses 9 to 11. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and that those who knock, the door will be opened. Do you believe that? Would your prayer life say that? This is, this is powerful. These are things to think about in terms of prayer. But it all starts with a choice, and the choice is to pray. The very first thing that Jesus says as he teaches them, did you catch it? When you pray. When you pray. They're not taking it for granted that his disciples are going to be prayer warriors or that we're going to be. But it's what he challenges us with. And that's his desire, that we indeed would, that that would be our choice, that we would pray. And that we would pray for those things that are important and that are filled with his purpose. 
the actual specifics of it, but then we would also pray in a way. How? That is powerful and effective. And that evokes change, invokes witness, and invokes glory and honor for him. And it starts with being thirsty. Being devoted just as the Acts 2 church was. That's the hope. That's the desire. And that's the truth that all of these passages deal with. Being people who pray. People who pray. What does that look like for you? Maybe it looks like something different than it does for me. And that's okay. You know, I, I really have um, felt blessed and really love the fact that we have a prayer team that's devoted to prayer and are continually trying to bring it and not trying but do bring it in front of us and create awareness and a desire because their hopes just as I, I share with them and I, maybe it's true for everybody here is that we would indeed be a house of prayer we'd be people who know what to pray for and we'd be people who know how to pray So many things to think about. I'll leave you with these words of Jesus out of John 7, 37. It says this, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. Might that be true for us together? Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Lord, I thank you for this privilege and this opportunity to enter into your presence, to come before you now as almighty God. Powerful, mighty, majestic, holy, loving. Lord, might we never lose sight of who it is that you are. Lord, might we never stop coming before you. You tell us to pray always, constantly. Lord, work that thirst in us. Often we have so many things that are a part of our life and so many other ways to have what it is that we want or need quenched to be filled when we're hungry but God then we're hungry again and we thirst again it's in your presence it's in your presence oh God and by your power that those things that we desire more than anything else and we long for that those thirst are indeed oh God are quenched and so we, we pray that we would be thirsty for them Oh, we long to be in your presence. And we bring those deep things, those powerful things before you. And we think about, oh God, who it is that you are and your purposes for us as we walk the face of this earth. Fill us, O oh Lord. Help us to be people of prayer. In your name we pray. Amen.